Hello there. Welcome to Adorn Podcast. I tried to say something fancy. Okay. Welcome to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 28. We are in a series about community, and today we're going to be talking about community at large within the body of Christ. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Okay, so we've looked at the big picture of community as a spiritual discipline. Erin did an episode on that a few weeks back. And then we talked with Crystal about discipleship within community. And Mm -hmm. that's a little more intimate setting usually. And then we talked about accountability, which definitely is an intimate setting um, within community. And so we thought we'd zoom back a little bit again and Talk about what it means to be in community within the body of Christ or like the church as a whole, big C church. Mm -hmm. Um, We obviously believe that doctrine and theology are very, very important. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. It's important to us. But how does that play into the way we live within community with the big C church? Because not everybody has the same doctrine and theology. Mm -hmm. So we thought it'd be cool to talk about that a lot. And we actually, when we were preparing for this episode, Aaron was like, I don't know, I don't have a lot on it. Like, you know, and I said, well, that's actually why I brought this up because there's not a lot on Mm -hmm. this specific topic. And I feel like as Jonathan and I were talking about it, it's something that's not always done real well. I Mm -hmm. feel like, um, I feel like, especially in our kind of culture, we're doing a pretty good job at living in community within our own local individual churches, getting into small groups, getting mm-hmm. into Sunday school classes. But how do we live out community across those church boundaries, mm-hmm. so to speak? Yeah. And um, I think that's something that's not always done really well. So I thought it'd be something neat to talk about. So we're going to kind of talk about the why this is important, where we where we see it in scripture, and maybe some of the kind of do's and don'ts and some of the how to practically live this out. Mm-hmm. So That's good. So do you have like any personal experience with this? Like why do you think this is important to you? Yeah. So where I grew up, and I've kind of mentioned it before, but... Northeast Texas, there was literally a church on every corner. Mm -hmm. And your identity was very much defined by what church you went to. Mm -hmm. And when you met someone, you said, hi, my name is Casey, and I go to such and such church. (laughs) That's funny. Like, that's kind of what, or you ask the other person, Mm -hmm. okay, what church do you go to? And so it wasn't until, and I don't want to say there was a bunch of like, um, rivalry or Mm -hmm. tension between churches, but you didn't really see the churches as being one big body. Right. It was very much each church was an individual thing, and it wasn't even that they were all different denominations. I'm talking there were like 15 Baptist churches Mm -hmm. in town, and you were defined by what Baptist church you went to. And so it wasn't until a bunch of youth leaders in town got together, and they I think they saw kind of what was going on um, among the students in Mm -hmm. our town. And they said... We want to we want to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So once a month we had what was called union, and 
a lot of the youth groups from our town got together and we just had a worship service together. We sang worship songs and they got someone to teach. And it was at that point that I realized, wow, like we really are all worshiping the same God. Mm -hmm. Like we really are one body of Christ. And then at that point, I started questioning, well, why do we have separate churches anyway? Mm -hmm. Like at that point, it didn't make sense to me at all. I was like, why, why, why wouldn't we just be one big church in this town? And, um, as I have, have grown and learned, I realized that there's different doctrines, different theologies. There are reasons, even just different cultures. Mm -hmm. People worship differently. And I think it's okay. I think it's normal to kind of um, to want to congregate with people that are the same. I mean, we've talked about that kind of before that people that find their identity in Christ want to all be together. Well, people that worship a certain way want to be together or people who, um, interpret the Bible a certain way want to be together. And I think that's good and that's fine. But I also think it's really important for us to remember that we are one body. Mm -hmm. Do you have much experience? What was it like out in, out in California? <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in a really tiny, I'm trying to think if it was non-denominational or if it, I don't know. I think it was, um, tiny church, pretty much everyone was there. I mean, everyone who went there was over the age of 80. So, um, we didn't have a lot of, um, like just our church doing things. If I remember correctly, um, I, then we went to, I went to a youth group at another church for a long time because I just wanted to go to a youth group, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't remember really feeling like, oh, you don't go to this church. You shouldn't be at this youth group or anything like that. There was a lot of kids from a lot of different yeah. churches that would go to the same youth group. I don't feel like I have a ton of experience with this. Um, I think I can see it now more as an adult than I probably saw growing mm -hmm. up. Um, almost sometimes we see this like a your badge of this is the church I go to. Right. Or, yes. You know, uh -huh. And I don't think it's an intentional thing. I think it's almost like a... You know, you have your favorite sports team right, or right. like, yeah, we all like football, but I like the Chargers yeah. or whatever that is. I feel like it's – I mean, it's not obviously the same analogy, but I feel like sometimes we kind of make it that way mm -hmm. of like you're proud of the church you go to. And, and that's not wrong, I don't think, but um, we sometimes I think we make it worth more than mm -hmm. it is, if that makes yes. sense. Oh, that definitely makes sense. I, I think it can definitely become a source of pride mm -hmm. um, in a – and it can cross a line. Like it can start off being good to, like mm -hmm. you said, be proud of your church, mm -hmm. but it definitely can cross that line into like an arrogance yeah. or being prideful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, for sure. But that's interesting that our childhoods were so different. You know, yeah. we had such different views and I think that just shows that like different parts of the country mm -hmm. are just completely different in church culture. Yeah. I didn't really know so. anything about denominations. Yeah. See, and I didn't understand it at all. Like I said, I kind of got to the point where I was like, well, why don't we all just go to church together? I yeah. didn't understand it. I just knew that like I was Baptist and that church over there was Methodist and mm -hmm. we didn't go to the same church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I didn't, I didn't really understand it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our background, I guess, yeah. kind of gives you a, um, a little glimpse into where we're coming from on this. But so when I was 
thinking about this, I started thinking about, I went back and looked at how we defined community when we were Mm -hmm. talking about spiritual disciplines. And we used um, Adele Calhoun's definition, which says, Christian community exists when believers connect with each other in authentic and loving ways that encourage growth in Christ. They engage in transparent relationships that cultivate, celebrate, and make evident Christ's love for all the world. And once again, I just think that's a wonderful definition. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when we were doing our first episode on community, I think we both were were thinking about a little bit, like I said at the beginning, more intimate Mm -hmm. um, community. But when you look at this definition, it can go for the bigger community too and the body of Christ as a whole. And I even looked up Webster definition for a community and it says a unified body of individuals, Mm. which I love because the Bible refers to believers as the body of Christ Mm -hmm. so much. And so I like that even like the secular definition of community has the word body in it. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I think when we're thinking about like defining it, especially within the Big C Church, I think there's two things um, that that kind of help define it is that to remember that we have the same identity and we have the same mission. I think think it's important for us to remember that, um, yes, the details matter, like Casey is saying, like where you align with your doctrine, where you feel... um, you know, your personal convictions, but at the end of the day, we're, we have the same identity and we're on the same mission. So our den- no matter what church you go to, all of us have our identity found in Christ and all of us are on the same mission to um, the, the great commission to reach people for Christ, you know, to, to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey all that he has commanded. So we're, we have the same mission and the same identity, which means we have so much more in common than we have uncommon. <laughs> we have not in common. We have yeah. Not in common. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, it goes right back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the foundation. Our right. foundation as believers is the gospel and our mission is to take it to the ends of the earth. That's yes. exactly right. Makes me think of Acts 1-8 that says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And you already quoted Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the great commission. Mm-hmm. That's our mission, mm-hmm. whether you're this denomination, that denomination, um, whether, you know, you believe this doctrine or that doctrine, the foundation is the gospel and our mission is to spread that gospel. Yep. And so that that's what's important. And that, like you said, I mean, we have that in common right. and that's our identity and that's the most important thing about us. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that we can look to are um, different creeds within our faith and different confessions. Mm-hmm. Why, while these things are not scripture, they're documents and um, I don't know what you would call it. like Statement of faith. Statements of faith yeah. that people that are a lot smarter than us. And older. <laughs> and older <laughs> and wiser and everything else have, have written and poured over. And they've been around for years and years. They all talk about the Apostles' Creed, the Westminster Confession, and the Nicene Creed all talk about us being one church. Um, Some of them say the Catholic church, but that means not like Roman Catholic. That means the universal church. Mm -hmm. One community basically. And I liked this from the Westminster Confession, the part that talks about it. It says, the Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so 
all of the elect, not just the Baptist elect, mm-hmm. not just the Methodist elect, <laughs> not just the Presbyterian elect, all of the elect mm-hmm. are one. Yeah. And so um, I think looking back, and it's funny because I was listening, there is a song by Getty Music. You've probably listened to it with your girls, and it's the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. and it's such a good song. Like, we listen mm-hmm. to it over and over, but it says one one church, one faith, yeah. you know, one, one Lord of all, mm-hmm. one, it's it's one. Yeah. It's all one. And so, um, and it's funny how sometimes, and it's a kid's song. It's a, you know, it's mm-hmm. written for kids, but how sometimes those children's songs can just like, yeah. you know, just speak to your heart. Yep. So yep. yeah, I totally. thought that was a good reminder. Is there anywhere in scripture that you can think of that we really see this as a good example being one? One thing that comes to mind is that um, it says in scripture that the church is the bride of Christ. And that um, I think that sometimes we we skip over that because it sounds weird and we don't really get it. Yeah. Like that doesn't really make any sense. Like how can the church be married? Like that doesn't if you try to take it literally or, I mean, it just, it sounds confusing, but I think we can take away from that is that the church at large is called to be the bride of Christ. And like Casey was mentioned before, it's not the Baptist church was called or the Methodist church or whatever denomination. It's saying, no, the church, the big C church is called to be the bride of Christ. And, um, and what, what does that actually look like? It means that we have to be unified. I mean, it's yeah. not saying that Jesus has millions of brides no it's saying his bride singular is one is one and is the church so um one place we see that is in ephesians 5 and here we usually use this speaking about marriage which it is true it is about marriage but um if we start in verse 22 so ephesians 5 22 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he's using the example of Christ and the church to show us what it should look like in marriage. But the fact that he's using that as the example tells us that the church as one unified body is yeah. is, is the bride of Christ. So it goes on to say that, um, where did I leave off? Okay, verse 27. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without, spl- without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever has hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are all members of his body which we'll talk more about in the next scripture. Um, But then he goes on to say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this, this is my favorite part. It says, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So I love that the, he, he's like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm yeah. not saying it's clear and simple and straightforward. This mystery is profound. But I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So I think, I think sometimes we only focus on the marriage analogy in that scripture. But um, we have to look at the other side of what, right. what the analogy is being analogized to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a word. Hey, I <laughs> but like what it. it's being it compared to, which is, yeah. which is the relationship between Christ and his and his church Mm -hmm. big c church right yeah one wife one wife one bride 
<laughs> That's us. Exactly. So you alluded to the fact that we're all members of Christ's body, mm-hmm. um, and there is only one body of Christ. So there are a few places we find this in Scripture. Romans twelve four through 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And um, there's more to that, but I just chose a couple of verses but that whole passage is really good. Uh, We also see it in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So it specifically says there, you know, in in there, in there, this um, day and age in the Bible, the Jews and Greeks were very, very separate. But it's saying here that if they're under Christ, they're they're part of one body now. And so I think we can think of it the same way. You know, no matter what local church we're a part of, we're still all one body of Christ. So this weekend I heard um, this woman came up to me and told me this awesome just story about how context matters in scripture, which is something that we talk about a lot of times here on the show. And she was saying that a lot of times we take 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the love is not envious, love does not boast, and the what we call the wedding verses or whatever, and we take that and we apply it straight to marriage. But what she was saying is if, if you look back, like you just pulled, we're talking about um, in chapter 12 about how it's talking that we are the body of Christ. If you read that right before you go into chapter 13, you see that the context is not actually marriage. The context is living within the body of Christ. Oh, wow. And so these things that they're talking about is how to live in community in the big C church. Mm. Why don't you read some of it for us? Okay. Just as a reminder. Sure. Sure. It says, if I speak in human or angelic languages, but do not have love. I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all the faith that could move the mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Um, there's just so many good things in this. Yeah. And then the ones that we know um, so well are love is patient, love That's is kind, true. love does not envy, it is not boastful, love finds no joy in unrighteousness. And it totally shifts the meaning if you start to think of that as, okay, how do we live out this community big C church in the, you know, in the church at large, in the body of believers? And these are things that we should be living to do. We should not be trying to be a sounding gong. We right. should be patient and we should be kind and we should be not envious and we should not be boasting in our personal churches. We should be yeah. boasting in the in the body of Christ. I thought that was so cool. Oh, that is really, really cool. And just how funny how God is that she just happened to come up to me and talk to me about that, not knowing we're about right. to record a podcast about it. That sovereignty right there. Love it. So, and that was actually my very next point was that the Bible commands us to love one mm-hmm. another. So that that's perfect. Um, because that really is so important. We're to be, it's like this brotherly love mm-hmm. where we're part of the same family. Mm-hmm. And John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, um, you know, I heard a quote by Francis Schaeffer and, um, 
it kind of goes along the same the same lines as this. It mm-hmm. says, "It is in the middle, in the midst of a difference that we have our golden opportunity. When everything is going well and we are all standing around in a nice little circle, there is not much to be seen by the world. But when we exhibit, when we come to the place where there is real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles, but at the same time observable love, then there is something that the world can see, something that they can use to judge that these really are Christians." Christians, and that Jesus has indeed been sent by the Father. Mm. So it is through our love mm-hmm. that the world will see that we really do have Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, you often hear that, um, you know, we, we tell our kids just, you know, act so people can see Jesus mm-hmm. through, the, through you and um, live out your life <laughs> where people can tell that you have Jesus. And when you think about it, you're like, okay, you're telling the, this kid to live where people can see Jesus, but what does that practically mean? Right. Is a three, four, five-year-old, are they going to understand what you're saying by that? What you're really saying is love, Mm. love people. And that has a whole different meaning to me. Like Mm -hmm. that is a very, that's something we can grasp. Mm -hmm. We can show love even in those times. Like, like Francis Schaeffer said, in the times where push comes to shove and you're not standing in this pretty little circle and you may have um, disagreements, that's when we really need to love each other. Mm. And so, yeah, that just really digging into this this week, I mean, it's convicting to yeah. really think yeah. about because just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that they're not part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we are to love them like a brother or sister. Yeah. That reminds me of um, in Ephesians 4 where it says, um, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. So like you're saying, it doesn't mean, or like that quote said, you don't compromise your principles. Exactly. You still walk worthy of the calling you have received. But then in verse 2, it goes on to say, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. In love diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with peace that binds us for there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in all i think that goes back to our conversation with hannah last mm-hmm. week and you might not keep the big church accountable like you would someone that's in your close community. Right. But I think it comes down to speaking the truth in love. Like Mm -hmm. we talked about, we can not compromise what we believe to be the truth and our, our principles and even our um, differing doctrine and theology. We don't have to compromise that. Right. But we can speak the truth in love. Yep. It's all about our heart. Just like Hannah said, it's all about where our heart is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, not having this attitude of um, being prideful. Yeah. So what would you say is um, is the ultimate purpose of being unified as a community in the body of Christ? I would say it goes just like pretty much everything in life. It's for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And in Romans 15, 5 through 7, I really liked this verse a lot whenever I saw this. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God Mm. and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Mm. I love that. So, yeah, I think that's pretty clear that our... our, 
purpose in all of this and living in community as the big church and as the body of Christ is to bring God glory. I think that's that's really good. And I think another thing that kind of stems off of that, which is also ultimately bringing him glory, is to you know, share the gospel and advance the gospel. Think of, you know, if we're in little silos of which church we go to, we're only going to be able to reach a little. But if we all can come together in unity, like think of what, how much more of an impact we could have if instead of being like, you stay over there and you get your little people and we'll stay over here and we'll try to reach our little people. But if we actually truly come together, like what a strong army, you know, like it makes me think of like, ah, like how much more could we be on mission and reach Mm -hmm. people for Christ if we're truly, instead of trying to point out our differences, like Mm -hmm. reminding ourselves, like we talked about in the beginning, that our identity is in Christ and we're on the same mission. And if we truly made that as valuable as it is, how much more power we would have, which sounds weird, but yeah. So much strength in numbers. Yeah, exactly. Because people see the disunity and they don't want to be a part of that. They're like, I have enough of that in my life. Yes. Yes. They see the fighting and the bickering Mm -hmm. and, and it's not like that all the time, but there is a lot of that that goes on within the body of Christ. And it's sad because it does push people away and it's Mm -hmm. not going to draw people in. People are going to be drawn to, to a community that's really unified Mm -hmm. and really loves each other because everybody wants to be loved. Right. You know, Jonathan brought up another good thing. I was kind of talking this through with him and he said, he said, the other reason that it's important is because eternity is not separate churches. Like Mm -hmm. in heaven, we're not going to have separate churches. And so we've talked about the Lord's prayer on here before. And in the Lord's prayer, you pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it Mm -hmm. is in heaven. We're Mm -hmm. praying for God's kingdom to come down on earth. Mm -hmm. And in heaven, there aren't a bunch of different churches. Mm -hmm. We are one church singing Mm -hmm. and praising God all the time. And so if that's what it's supposed to be like here on earth, then we are to be one church. That's good. It's so a good yeah. reminder. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking was kind of random, but I think a lot of times, like Aaron brought up at the beginning, we're so proud of our church and we're mm-hmm. like, you know, we think that our church just, just is the best. Um, and I think it's important to remember, like, Christianity didn't even start in the United States. Uh-huh. Like, it definitely <laughs> didn't start in Round Rock, Texas. Right. You know, like, yeah. just to keep that perspective that, yeah. like, we are a part of a much bigger thing at work mm-hmm. than our than our church, our physical church. Right, right. Here. right. That's good. So, That's yeah. good. So how would you say um, we're talking about kind of this balance of living unified, but still sticking to your um, convictions and your principles and your beliefs and doctrine and theology. And so how do we do that? How do we live in that tension of being one community, but also then within that, having our own little communities? Yeah, I think this is just so hard. And like I said, I honestly don't see it being lived out just real great. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think that we're doing a horrible job at it either, but I think we kind of get in our own little bubbles Mm -hmm. and we kind of forget that, that it's an important thing. One of the first things I think of is just because I've been hearing it a lot lately is um, that we shouldn't be arrogant mm-hmm. because there are certain um, denominations or certain like theologies that are known for being arrogant. And that makes me really sad. But um, some people, you know, are constantly using all these big words mm-hmm. and big terminology and talking over people's heads. And um, a lot of times it's almost like they're trying to convert people to their theology yeah. instead of, 
bringing them to, to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of lose sight of the goal, like we were talking about the mission mm-hmm. and the foundation of our faith. And so, I mean, like like we said, it's it's good to be passionate about theology and to know what you believe about God. But if it becomes an area of pride, um, that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah. It should not push us away from loving others in the body and being in community with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's where it's kind of that that balance, and that's where we really need to check our heart. Mm-hmm. And I really liked this quote by good old Spurgeon. Um, he says, and he he's an honest man. Let me tell you, he was he did not um, I I mince words. Him. I know. Oh my goodness, wouldn't that have been amazing? Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, where the spirit of God is, there must be love. Once again, there's that love. Mm-hmm. And if I have once known and recognized any man to be my brother in Christ Jesus, the love of Christ constraineth me no more to think of him as a stranger or foreigner, but a fellow citizen with the saints. Now, I hate church. Uh, I hate high churchism as my soul hates Satan. Those are like, yeah, I told you he, he is serious. But I love George Herbert. Although George Herbert is desperately high church man, I hate his high churchmanism or <laughs> his high churchism, but I love George Herbert from the very soul from my very soul, and I have a warm corner in my heart for every man who is like him. Let me find a man who loves my Lord, Jesus Christ, as George Herbert did, and I do not ask myself whether I shall love him or not. There is no room for question. For I cannot help myself unless I can leave off loving Jesus Christ. I cannot cease loving those who love him. Mm. I was like, wow, convicting right there. Oh, my goodness. Like, we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ like Jesus loves them and like Jesus loves us. If they are in in Christ Jesus, they are our brothers brothers and sisters, and we are commanded to love them. Um, It doesn't matter where our theology may differ, where our doctrine may differ, we are still to love them. So I think um, one thing that we can keep in mind about how how to walk this out is trying to be creative in ways that we um, fellowship and find community with other believers, but outside of our local church. I think... um, I think this is something that we're probably not going to just come by naturally, but yeah. something that might take a little more effort or intentionality. But um, do you have any ways that you you try to do that? Yeah. I mean, um, I didn't start doing this with the purpose of that, like in mind, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of happened organically. But our homeschool group mm-hmm. is is a good example because it is a, the group that we're in, um, is faith-based. So we're all believers, but everyone or a lot of people are from different churches. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a really neat opportunity to connect with people outside of our local church and to get to know people from different churches around town, different denominations. Um, that's been a really neat thing. And, um, another way, is uh, that we've recently done a little bit of, but letting our kids go to different Mm -hmm. events at different churches because 
and we're doing this right now. Our kids are going, um, Harper and Abby and my girls are going to Awana down the street at a different church. And it's been a really neat opportunity yeah. too, getting to see that pastor at that church, getting to talk to other ladies that attend that church and just even letting our kids know that like our church is not the only church right. that worships God mm-hmm. like you know they there are other people out there and other communities out there and it's important to be to be a part of that and to see that and so that's been a really really neat experience so those are some things that I um, can think of what about you is there anything that you can think um of? I always am a big fan of BSF oh yeah which is yeah. you know multiple different churches have people who go to BSF um that's kind of the first one that comes to mind and then um I, you know, I just try to, I am very open about church and my beliefs and everything like that. So anytime I'm at teaching classes at the gym or anything like that, I try to um, talk to other women about like what church they go to. Do they go to church? Would they want to be invited? This is, I was really excited. This is the first time that um, I've invited women from the gym to come to my Bible study and they actually are coming. Oh, so like that's awesome. been really cool. Yeah. And just like talking to them about their churches and what do they love about their church and stuff like that. So that's been really cool. I think that's a really cool thing too. Like it sounds like those women go to other churches, Mm -hmm. but their church might not offer the type of Bible study that our church offers specifically for moms of young kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. Like I think that stepping out and doing things at other churches, I think that that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think sometimes people kind of stray away from doing that. It, it almost feels like you're cheating on your church or something, <laughs> but that's not the case. Yeah, like yeah. you are just stepping out there and you're being in community with other believers. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that is important to not do, and that's don't gossip mm. about other churches or tear down other mm. churches. Yeah. And I think that's especially important to remember in front of children. Right. Because like if I mean, it's one thing to talk to your spouse. I think you should be able to to talk freely to your spouse and even maybe your your best friends about um, what you're feeling or what you're thinking or, you know, but say you're having an innocent conversation with your spouse about something going on at another church and it's something you really need to talk through Mm -hmm. for one reason or another. But your kids are sitting there and they're thinking, wait. Like, why is mommy talking bad about this church? And they hear the name of that church. Mm-hmm. And to them, that church is like red carded. Like, yeah. like anytime they hear the name of that church, they're going to think poorly about that church. If they meet any kids that go to that church, they're going to be like, oh, no, you go to the bad church. Like, I just think it's super important to not talk bad about other churches. Yeah. I don't think that we can truly live in community if we're going around talking bad about other churches. That's not... That's not biblical at all. Right. That's a really good point because if if we really truly believe what the Bible says about the church being the body of Christ, then how much, how horrible does that sound to say like, oh, part of Christ's wife is like really ugly and I don't like her and she needs to go get her hair done. You know what I'm saying? Like that's basically what you're doing. You're you're dissing the bride of Christ and that that has so much weight to it. It does. Kind of making a joke, but but that has actually Mm -hmm. so much weight to it to say, you know, I don't like this part of 
the body of Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, and I think as women, especially, that's hard. We mm-hmm. like to talk. We do. And I feel like sometimes I'm the world's worst about, because my kids are getting older when mm-hmm. they were three and under. It didn't matter so much, but they're getting older and they listen. Yeah. And sometimes I realize I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that because little ears mm-hmm. are listening. They hear everything. So, yes. So I think it's just so important to be aware of how you're talking about other people and yeah. other churches. Um, yeah, I think that's super important. Okay. So is there anything else you think, um, that's kind of helpful about how to live out this community? Yeah. I think something else that's really been on my mind lately is about being open-minded because, um, sanctification is a lifelong process and the Lord can use other believers, even believers from other churches, other denominations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to be willing to explore other ways of thinking. Like just because you have thought one way your whole life or for the past three years or whatever it is, or because you heard this one pastor say this Mm -hmm. one thing and you trust him. And so that's, that's how it's always going to be. I think it's important to remember that you can learn from other people. Mm -hmm. And even if some of the things they do seems like crazy and way out there and like maybe it stretches you in ways that you just have never thought of before. But what if they're right? Mm -hmm. What if what if by not listening to them what if by not opening your mind and your heart you're missing out on a huge blessing Mm -hmm. and it always takes me back when I was thinking through this Jules in her episode um said when Brandon um heard the Lord tell him that they needed to fast from TV um he he came to her and he said I don't think he's telling us that we have to do this but that if we do it will be a blessing Mm. And we will see God in a different way and we will draw closer to him. And that's how I feel. I feel like if we run from these things that seem different to us, that we might be missing out on a blessing. Mm. And so we need to be open. We don't need to compromise our beliefs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the minute you hear something else, you need to be like, oh, yeah, they're right. Oh, they're right, too. Oh, they're right. Like, you need to be firm and know what you believe, but you also need to be open to the Lord using other believers in that sanctification process. I think that's a really good point. One of my favorite things I've ever heard, and I wish I knew who said it, but was to just, you never really want to sit under only one yes. teacher. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean go to multiple churches by any means. It just means, you know, you have your pastor, but then to just make sure you're also maybe in a Bible study or reading a Bible study written by someone else or listening to sermons or podcasts um, from other pastors and getting in the word on your own and um, just in different ways so that you're not just aligning yourself exactly with what your pastor says and believes. Mm-hmm. And you might find out through your own time with God and um, that you do align perfectly with your pastor. Right. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But you won't really know if you're only listening to mm-hmm. a one. You know? Right. So I think that's right. one of my, my favorite um, encouragements that I've heard. And it's been hugely, hugely sanctifying mm-hmm. for me to s- sit myself under different teachers and just hear things that I've never thought about before or... Um, didn't interpret a scripture a certain way and I was able to you know hear different opinions and then really dig into it on my own into the scripture and and figure out what it was I truly believe whereas if I didn't face different opinions I never would have looked into it on my own right you know what I mean right exactly yeah yeah that's helpful so 
the one one of the things though that I want to make sure um at the end of this podcast is that we're not misunderstood like I think that um committing to and plugging into a local church is so very important yes and I think both of us fully believe in church membership Mm -hmm. like you need to covenant membership is so important and hopping around from church to church each Sunday you know we mentioned maybe going to different Bible studies during the week but not having a church home and hopping around each and every week that's not healthy um so I think it's important. Another reason to to get plugged into a local church is to be able to serve mm-hmm. and to really plant roots there. And so you can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that as we're doing that, it's so important to remember that we're a part of a much bigger community. And if we don't keep that in mind, we're missing out on this beautiful picture that God's painted all throughout the body of what, um, all throughout the Bible Mm -hmm. of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. It's good. This has been super helpful. I appreciate everything you've said. (laughs) <laughs> and that the Bible said, I feel like we use a lot of scripture in this one, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, I know. Because when I first started, like I said at the beginning, I was like, well, I don't feel like there's much on this. Like I was kind of looking for some books and I found a few different articles. And then I started like really digging into scripture and I was like, it's all right there yeah. in the Bible. This is where it is. That's <laughs> where it is. Like I don't, I mean, there, like I said, there's a couple of articles on like church unity that I found and that we'll link in the show notes. But but really, there's there's not a lot of resources, but the Bible has a ton to say about it. Mm-hmm. A ton. I so. love it. Next week um, will be our final episode in our community series, and we're going to have another awesome interview about how community um, walks alongside us in times of suffering. So we're going to end with a little quote for you. This is from um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. It says, Only where hands are not too good for deeds of love and mercy in everyday helpfulness can the mouth joyfully and convincingly proclaim the message of God's love and mercy. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.